Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Have you ever heard this verse before and asked yourself, hmm, what exactly does that mean? What is it to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever in the first place? And how can something like that happen to a Christian? The sad reality is this kind of behavior is actually not that uncommon in the lives of Christians today, mostly because many of us are not paying attention to the teachings given to us by the Almighty Father in Heaven, and we are not spiritually strong. Today's episode, we're going to chat more about the various ways that God's children can fall prey to this kind of dangerous behavior so that we learn how to be vigilant and wise and protectors of our most sacred blessing, our salvation. Welcome to the Narrow Path series, a pod bringing Christians like you from around the world together to learn more about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and how to worship Him in truth and in spirit. Whether you've just been saved or you've grown up in a Christian home, this series will open your eyes to the false teachings and practices that have become rooted in society and are slowly pulling you away from the straight and narrow path. Join me, your host, Courtney, as I dive into the scriptures to uncover the truth about what God expects from us, his children, and how we can walk towards him in our daily lives. Hey there, and thanks for taking time to tune in to today's episode of the Narrow Path series. So in order to understand how a Christian can be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, we have to first start by understanding what is the definition of yoked? I mean, we don't really go around using this word or this phrase nowadays. I mean, at least I don't, maybe you do. But when I first came across the word yoked in the scriptures, it caused me to stop and look it up. And I do that all the time, by the way. Do you do that? If not, I would suggest trying it out. Because there's just a lot of things we don't understand when we read the Bible. And it's in our nature to just kind of skim and try to glean the overarching message. But the Bible is amazing. Every word was chosen very carefully. So I would encourage you to really be in the moment when you study God's word. You might think you know the meaning behind a word or a phrase. I think that all the time. But often I find... I'm surprised when I look it up and see, oh, this definition is not what I thought it was, or this word has multiple meanings, and I'm actually thinking of the wrong meaning in the context of this verse. And actually, this is very true for the word yoked. It, too, has many definitions. It can mean to join with one another. It can mean slavery. You might not have known that. It can be referring to a coupling or a pairing, as in a yoke of oxen. It can also refer to service, as it says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 to 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
You know, the word yoke can also mean a chain or a link or a bond of connection. And when I actually think of a bond of connection, one of the first things that comes to mind is friendship. I remember what it was like to be a new Christian. I definitely tried to hold on to my original friend groups as long as I could. After all, they were people I knew for years. I cherished the memories I had with them. I valued the trust that had been built between us. They were comfortable and familiar to me, and I I never had any problems with them before, so I didn't really think much about the kind of impact they might have on me as a new Christian. I just thought, well, you know, yeah, they're not Christians, and I know that. I know they don't share my faith in Jesus, but I'm strong enough to hold true to my belief, so what's the harm of hanging out with them? Well, actually a lot. Why? Because as Christians... We face a spiritual battle, not a physical one. On the outside, everything might look fine, but remember what the scripture says. You cannot serve two masters. If someone does not have Jesus, then they have Satan, which means there will always be spiritual strife between you and them until they choose to accept our Lord and Savior and depart from sin. In fact, If things remain comfortable for you and those around you who aren't in Jesus, then that's a big red flag, and you may want to evaluate because you're probably compromising your faith. Your old friends should see a changed person in you. They should notice that you're different. Sure, a lunch or a dinner might start out with niceties and be all about catching up, but before you know it, bam, that conversation is going to take a turn for the worse. Suddenly, You are acutely aware of just how many curses, for example, are being thrown around the table. Suddenly, you're being brought in to all these conversations that are evil and focused on slandering people. You're hearing stories that are just completely inappropriate for your ears, and you know the kinds I meet. Topics are being brought up that are simply shameful. As a Christian, this should all be making you feel like a fish out of water. I know it made me feel that way. And if it's not, again, you need to examine yourself. Sure, you were once close with these people, and none of this bothered you in the past, but remember, that was before you found God. That was before you were blessed with the Holy Spirit. That was before your eyes were opened to the truth, and before you no longer were blind to sin. Now you're not. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Some Christians try to avoid these kinds of conversations, or they refrain from making comments because they don't want to stir up trouble or be singled out in the group, even when they are feeling the Holy Spirit stirring up inside them, telling them, this is not right. And it's moments like these when, a Christian becomes unequally yoked with an unbeliever. We read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Our jobs as children of God is to bring many onto righteousness, to be the salt of the earth, to let our light shine in the darkness. Rather than staying quiet, or worse, allowing ourselves to engage in corrupt communication with old friends, we should be using the time as a way to share the gospel message with them, 
to help them find their way to Jesus, just like we did. We need to be an example of righteousness for them to see. Because at the end of the day, if we say we truly love them, then our ultimate purpose of spending time with them should be about helping them receive salvation. Now, of course, that gathering that you're attending isn't typically where things end for you and your old friends either. It wasn't for me, at least. They always wanted to go out and have more fun. Let's go to this bar down the street. Let's go to this awesome nightclub that just opened last week. And you might think you're protected from evil as a child of God when you're in these kinds of places. But the reality is, my friends, you are not. You might think, well, okay, if they decide to go, then I'll just say no and walk away. Temptations like these, though, are really strong, and they often come in the form of familiar faces. Not to mention, the devil knows your weaknesses, and he will use any means to get to you. Be careful. Guard your soul, because you have no idea when the bridegroom will return. He will come as a thief in the night. Do you really want to be caught in some nightclub at the hour when the Lord returns to gather his people? We read in Proverbs 1 a warning to Christians about being caught up with unbelievers. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us weigh wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us, let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and make haste to shed blood. The people you choose to surround yourself with, and the places you choose to go, can lead you to being in a compromised position. And what's worse, it can offend the Holy Spirit. Remember, you are the temple of the living God. As a Christian, you are a new creature. And in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, it says, Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Your mind is no longer seared or enslaved to sin the way it once was. You have wisdom and knowledge from the Lord. Therefore, you should not allow yourself to revert back to your old ways. Otherwise, you are allowing yourself to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever and with unrighteousness. As a young Christian myself, I recall one occasion where I found myself in an environment that I knew was inappropriate for a child of God because I had allowed myself to blindly follow the lead of my old friends. And it was blatantly obvious when we arrived that the people, the music, the atmosphere, The spirit of the place was simply not godly. I couldn't stay more than 10 minutes in that place before telling my friends I was leaving and quickly walking out. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So it is important that we are always aware of how we are interacting with people and where we are going, and the environments that we are allowing ourselves to be in, because everything has a spirit behind it, and we have to always remain vigilant. 
You also want to keep in mind that places your friends invite you to visit with them doesn't always have to be as sinister as a nightclub either. Plenty of times, the engagement can seem very innocent. And it's especially true for friends who are of a different faith than you. There are lots of popular festivals that Western society celebrates, such as the Day of the Dead, which is rooted in Catholicism, or Diwali, uh, which is rooted in Hinduism, or the Asian Lunar New Year, which is rooted in Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism. So these kinds of religious events are all about parties and celebrations and trying new foods and customs. And yet as Christians, we have to know that all these kinds of events have spirits behind them because they are rooted in false religions. The decision to attend one of these events and engage in those religious practices ultimately does drive you away from the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's not to say that we can't have interaction with unbelievers. In fact, we should and need to. Jesus himself dined with sinners, right? Yet notice his purpose for those interactions. It was to preach the gospel. He was always in charge and he was always taking command of the conversation. And that's exactly how we must engage with unbelievers too. People should see the power that is within us, which is of God, and they should be in awe. We should always though have our guard up, acknowledging that the spiritual battle exists between a believer and an unbeliever. This brings me to my next point, which focuses on the source of our guidance. It's not a mystery that we all face challenges in our lives from time to time. And yeah, this includes Christians as well. But the question is, what do we do during those moments of trial? Are we seeking the guidance of our Christian fellowship? Are we praying to God? Unfortunately, many of us are not. Many of us are leaning on unbelievers for their logic and their worldly knowledge to find solutions. And the Bible warns us against this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 7, as it says, Go from the presence of a foolish man, when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. And in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. God tells us that he is nigh unto us. He tells us to call upon his name. He tells us that he will answer us if we call out to him in truth. If we come boldly onto the throne of God, we will always obtain mercy and we will find grace to help in time of need. It's when we choose to put our hearts, though, in the hands of unbelievers and listen to their foolish tongues that we are misled. Their guidance comes from the depths of hell because they are not worshipers of our Heavenly Father. They are worshipers of the devil. So listening to them, taking heed to their guidance, will ultimately leave you unequally yoked. This is especially true when we consider the influence that people in our workplaces can have on us if we let them. So I don't know about you, but I have been told time and time again that having a mentor at the office is essential for growth and development. Make sure you have someone to champion you, is what I hear. This can be a boss or a veteran employee or an executive or someone who has, quote, the power to get you in front of the right people and give you the projects you want to work on for that special promotion. Well, this is all fine for an unbeliever who chooses to put their trust in people rather than in God. But as Christians, we put our trust in the Lord. And as such, 
we are blessed. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now we know that the Lord will provide for us. He says he will in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. We know that our focus in life should never be on how much power we obtain or how much success we have or even how much money is in our bank accounts. When those things take center stage in our life, they become idols. They take the place of God. And the Lord spoke very clearly in the Ten Commandments that we are to have no other God before him. So allowing people who are unbelievers guide our decisions or our actions will ultimately lead us to being unequally yoked with them because we are losing focus on what is most important in our lives, which is seeking the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. Instead, we're being led to seek the glory of men and idolatry. Why? Because unbelievers have different guiding principles than us. For example, you may want to pray about a decision before taking action, but an unbeliever will have none of that. They'll want to approach a business decision from a logical perspective or in a way that speaks to their education. And that will always leave you two colliding. As it says in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? So how can you be agreed with someone who is living in sin? What fellowship hath light with darkness in the first place? When it comes to your job, learn to put things in the hands of the Lord and have no fear. After all, it says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Choosing to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever in order to gain material wealth or business success will never amount to the incredible worth of your salvation. Remember, you can't bring your money with you to heaven, nor is God a respecter of persons. He doesn't care how successful you are or what position you hold in the office. He cares about your heart. So don't let it be corrupted by unrighteousness. Speaking of uncorruption, there is quite a debate in the Christian world around whether it is okay to marry an unbeliever. In fact, you'll often hear Christians who are in favor of marrying unbelieving spouses argue that the context of Paul's teachings in the original Greek language of the Second Corinthians verse we've been studying today is actually about believers avoiding idolatry and not about marriage at all. In fact, they use this argument as justification for their marriage plans. The reality is, if someone does not believe in God, and if they do not follow his commandments, then they are an idolater by nature, and everything in their life, including their spouse, is an idol to them. So as a child of God, we are called to depart from idolatry and idolaters. We are called to follow Jesus, as it says in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. But how can we follow Jesus if we choose to become one flesh, as it says in Genesis chapter 2, with a person who ignores the truth of God? The answer is, we simply can't. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 39. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me 
is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. God expects no man to come before him in our lives. This includes those in our current households who are unbelievers and those who we want to bring into our household like a desired spouse. If we are to give up our lives for Jesus, then that means we must separate from all evil. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Additionally, we have to think about our future when it comes to marriage. Eventually, we will have children, and a parent's duty is to raise their children in the ways of the Lord. After all, they are his heritage. And in Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, we read, But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. God set up the family unit to have a mother and a father, and they each play separate but distinct roles. If one parent is not a Christian and does not adhere to the role that the Lord designed for them, the children will certainly not be given instruction and knowledge of God in the way they need. Not to mention, conflict and discord will be at the heart of the marriage as the two argue about every possible thing under the sun from how to raise the children to how to manage the finances to how much time is spent on the things of the Lord versus the things of the world. Marriage to an unbeliever is absolutely an unequal yoking and it's one you do not want to put on your shoulders as a Christian. And we might think that the person in front of us today is who we want to spend the rest of our lives with, but we don't know what 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road will look like. And given how high the divorce rate is upon our country today speaks to this exact point. We are not omnipotent like God. We can't see all. People aren't putting these incredibly important decisions in the hands of God, but rather they're taking it upon themselves to make the choice. And of course, we are seeing how that is turning out for them, which unfortunately is not great. It is important in all things to pray for guidance. And yes, this includes praying to God about the person whom you want to marry. So as we wrap up today's episode, I hope you have a clear understanding of the many ways in which we can fall victim to becoming unequally yoked with an unbeliever. As Christians, we must always be equipped with the full armor of God to protect us against the snares of the devil. He seeks to devour us as a roaring lion, so we must be sober. We must be vigilant. And most importantly, we must keep the commandments of God. As such, we will show our Father in heaven we love him, and he will be our strength and our refuge. Praise the Lord. Thanks again for joining me on the Narrow Path series. I hope you found today's episode insightful and a light onto your path. Again, I encourage you to visit my ministry's website at www.hsapm.org. There you can read more Bible class studies, Sabbath day sermons, prophecy, and if you don't have a Bible, you can even request one on the website, and we would be happy to ship it to you. I leave you with one final piece of scripture, as I always do. Remember what Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. 
For wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Thanks so much. I'll see you all next time.